Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Authentic You Radio, featuring the debut show of Carousel Partners International, a renowned group of expert coaches worldwide bringing their services together collaboratively and offering them to you in contribution. With host Jeffrey Miller, renowned author, international speaker, also known as the Interventionist. Enjoy the show. Ladies and gentlemen, good afternoon from the wild and woolly northeast of the United States of America. i got to tell you, it's been some of the craziest weather I've ever seen. And welcome to the spring equinox, as they call it, where we've had two full days of snow, close to two feet of white powder. God bless the skiers. You know, they got to love this kind of stuff, huh? Be honest with you, I'm ready for spring. Welcome, all corners of the planet, to Authentic You Radio, Carousel Partners International. We have an extension or a continuation of a very, very worthwhile topic today. It's all about low self-esteem. And they say now, unfortunately, that about 85% of the planet's population is suffering some form of it. Those are astronomical numbers in proportion to what we think. Um, that doesn't mean the people that are very well off don't have some forms of low self-esteem as well. We all have it to some varying degree, and it all comes from childhood. Our topic today is what are you worth? So what do you think you're worth? How does that play into your life? We constantly consider the worth of many things in our lives on a daily basis. Our friends, family, loved ones, possessions, etc. However, How often do you consider what you are really worth? You know what? A lot. Subconsciously, in a trance state, we do that continually. Well, today, you're joining in with us for a very lively and active discussion with the noted authorities of Carousel Partners International as we discuss this, another aspect of low self-esteem. We have our guests that are going to be calling in during the show, with with us now live from the lower corners of the planet, down under, is Annette Armstrong, Emotion Code Practitioner. Hi, Annette. How are you? Good morning, actually. Yes, it is. Good morning, Jess. How are you today? Absolutely fantastic. Thank you for asking. Awesome. And Thank you. And from the Midwest in the Arizona IA dry country, we have Sheila Wilson. Hi, Sheila. Hi, Jeffrey. Thank you for having me along. Well, thank you. I appreciate you being with us. And, you know, it is going to be a wonderful show, as I'm sure you guys understand. This is just phenomenal, phenomenal topic. I mean, we we as a, as a society uh, have all got this situation going on. Annette, Emotion Code yeah. Practitioner. Love it. I've worked with you for down near six months now. We've been we've had a lot of clients together. Talk a little bit about you and what it is in emotion code and how you got there. Okay, well, um, I have a background in in real estate and human resources and fitness training over the last um, twenty years. But um, in two thousand and six, I, I studied NLP and strategic intervention, um, and that's where how I met you a couple of years ago officially. Um, and basically, I became a, an emotion code practitioner t- two years ago. Started the training for that, and it's it's basically changed my life. 
um, I've been, uh, the results that I've been able to get for myself and others have been extraordinary, um, particularly in relation to self-esteem. Um, my journey has, you know, started at a very early age with, with issues that came up from childhood, and I've been able to address those and, and other underlying issues surrounding that. So that's really been an amazing journey for me personally. But um, as far as emotion code goes, um, basically for those who are not aware of what it is, an emo emotion code is, a, is an energy healing technique that helps us identify and literally release trapped emotions which are harmful emotional energies that we have in our body that are related to negative past events. Um, now these trapped emotions can cause depression, anxiety and, and block us from love and happiness and helping us to feel connected to other people. Um, and because trapped emotions are made of energy in the body, they also exert uh, influence over the physical tissues and can cause physical pain um, anywhere in the body, um, even, even to the level of cancer. Um, so, so what happens is with the work that I do is by releasing those trapped emotions, it makes the conditions in the body correct for the body to heal. And so basically anything physical or emotional um, often disappears or at the very least becomes more manageable. So that's essentially uh, the work that I do and it serves me very well in, in my, my own life personally and in the lives of others. Well, wow, that's fantastic, Annette. And you must, you must have, you must feel it and, and hear it from clients on a regular basis. But you know, basically, where they're coming from and their low self-esteem as a matter of the debilitating beliefs and these trapped emotions that that people are feeling. Yes, absolutely. And as you and I work with on a regular basis, it's just so lovely to work with clients who you, you can see the the tension in their body and the issues that they have and, and, and it, which is linked to, to their level of self-esteem and when we take them through our program it's so beautiful to experience that shift in, in energy within them and they've released those issues and they are a lot more confident and happy and, and all of a sudden all these wonderful things start happening in their life and, and, and we're, we're all totally amazed and, and pleased with the results. Exactly. So, um, it's a real honor to experience that and what we do. Wow, that's fantastic. Sheila Wilson, you, on the other hand, in a little bit of a different fashion, have been dealing with folks with low self-esteem for a long time. Yes, yes, Jeffrey. Um, I actually come from the corporate world, um, having been in marketing and sales and human resources for many decades. Um, I moved into counseling psychology after getting my master's degree in um, 2002, and I've been in private practice as a psychotherapist, primarily um, focusing on addictions, trauma, and attachment. So I have definitely worked with issues related to self-esteem and self-worth. Um, what's so fascinating about what's going on in the world right now, as Annette shared, as an emotion code practitioner, I have been um, involved with energy psychology techniques for the past 20 years. And I began my journey um, when I was in counseling during my divorce 20 years ago and learned thought field therapy. And it was so powerful that um, I trained and certified in that and then soon discovered emotional freedom technique, EFT, right. which um, Gary Craig designed, which was much more um, applicable, much more practical in learning and, and using and very effective. And it was just six months ago that I discovered faster EFT. 
faster um, emotions for transformation. And I have been using this energy psychology technique for the past six months with my clients in my psychotherapy practice, seeing, as Annette reported, just amazing results in being able to um, facilitate the release of uh, limiting beliefs, traumatic memories and histories, um, you know, low self-esteem issues, issues of, of um, self-worth, and watching people just blossom into the truth of who they are and the ability to express their gifts and talents as it was intended to be. So it's a real gift and an honor to be part of that process. That's fantastic, Sheila. Thank you. You know, a little bit of a, a little a different technique, but still, again, helping people mm-hmm. draw that, get into that low self-esteem and the subconscious level, and really getting it out in emotional state. And I myself, as a strategic interventionist, NLP practitioner, and hypnotherapist, have brought the three things together. And Annette and I have been working on, as most people don't know, is the 21 Days to Change Your Mind program, which is like a combo of that and emotion code technology, and bringing those things together and actually getting in. And Sheila, you and I have talked about that on the last show. And before I get into that, I am also the producer on this show today, guys, and I think we have a caller in the queue. Now, it may be one of our coaches, one of our Carousel Partners coaches. Let me bring that call in, folks, for a minute, and let's see. Here we go. Hello, caller. You are on the show live. Hello. Do we have a caller? I guess we don't. I saw the number. Anyway, that said, hypnotherapy, it is amazing how it gets in and grabs this stuff uh, and brings people back to a, to an understanding of a time in their life when they were younger when these things happened, the many things that happen in life to us as we grow because our parents are parents who are taught by parents who are taught by parents, and we don't know what we don't know until we learn. And those things mm-hmm. that we learn at an early age are, are conditioned into our minds to a belief structure. It becomes a habit, so to speak, in our subconscious, and that's where it goes. The interesting thing is, as I've progressed through with strategic intervention and modern psychology, is in fact that we grab a hold of these habits in the brain because it's that protection thing. The mind is thinking, I have to protect the body. I have to protect this person. Therefore, it relates to things that don't give it pleasure and that give it pain. So it's interesting to note that, and we can talk about this, guys, if you want. There are people that are doing painful things, but technically their brain thinks that it's pleasure. Sheila, would you touch on that for a minute? You know, in psychology, isn't that amazing that that actually happens? Um you were talking about pain and pleasure and getting pain that all and mixed pleasure, up. Yeah, and how we can, you know, we we do painful things as human beings that, that actually are provoking pleasure. It's like a trick. Well, um, there's a couple of ways to look at that, Jeffrey. In my thinking, um, the first is is that um, when the neural pathways become ingrained and familiar due to repetitive responses from the environment and internal cues that continue to reinforce that belief, as an example. Um, then that becomes almost a a benefit, a rewarding uh, response. In other words, the pleasure isn't about joy and um, happiness. It's about affirming the truth of the matter. So, for example, I believe that I am unworthy of having a successful 
um, marital relationship or intimate relationship, whenever it doesn't happen, whenever I get dumped or whenever someone, um, whenever I dump someone else, um, I have pleasure in affirming the truth, and and I'm right. And so it's kind of a twisted joy. The other thing that I know about the brain is is that for whatever reason, and it might be just basic survival, we seem to be a, as a human race much more readily wired to um, accept negative behaviors and negative habits. And I'm not exactly quite sure in in why that is so, but I think in recognizing that as as a possible design. Um, of of our, our our experience here on the planet, we can work with it. We can address it. We can be aware that I'm much more likely to fall into the trap of something that isn't in my best interest. So I want to be particularly aware of that and check in with myself to verify: is this really affirming my my values, my boundaries, my needs, my understandings of who I am? But certainly, as you referred to it, Jeffrey, these are things that we learn growing up. These are things that we learn and ingrain before language, before we really have the cognitive ability to make a more accurate assessment or discernment as to the accuracy of of such an understanding uh, when we're very little. But the good news is, um, as we do more brain research, we, we begin to realize that there is a lot of plasticity in the brain and so the mind is able to uh, continue to learn and unlearn what we don't find useful anymore and replace it with something new. So we definitely do um, adopt things that protect ourselves, that um, um, appear to keep us safe, and that safety might be distorted by um, early experiences and feedback from our caregivers in the world that um, created fear so we make those choices just to stay alive and get our needs met as little people. Isn't that amazing? That's how it comes out. And I'll tell you, Annette, um, you and I in our practice with the 21 Days to Change Your Mind program have found many, many clients to date that have definitely, including ourselves, that have definitely come from a low self-esteem issue for one reason or another in our lives. Things have happened and we we were taught uh, in the beginning of our training in, in SI, strategic intervention, that we had to become our own first best clients. And in the very beginning of that, I went, huh? What do you mean i got to become my best clients? And I went, oh, wait a minute. As we get <laughs> and that and, and I have talked about this, Sheila, it's amazing. You know, as we get into the training and we started going through it, I went, oh, yeah, gee whiz, I guess I better work on that myself. <laughs> it gets really interesting. Yeah. And that talk about that a little bit about strategic intervention, how we had to, you know, and then with the clients. Yeah. Sure, it, it is quite amazing how these issues, the issues that come up from our clients, often reflect some of our own personal issues. I, I, I find that quite entertaining. Um, but but I, what I've found is that um, with with, with others and also very much reflection of myself is how we value ourselves determines the choices that we make in that in life. So if we um, have a low value of ourselves, we tend to make choices that don't serve us. There we go. And when we have a high value of ourselves, yeah. And if we when we have a high value of ourselves, we tend to make choices that do serve us and others. And and what I've found is that it's about having a high level of self-esteem and self-worth is about having boundaries and 
we, with boundaries, we, we teach other we teach other people how to treat us. We're also, mm-hmm. also teaching ourselves um, how and and expressing to people in the world how we want to be treated, um, and and it also works in a way that we get to know what we like and what we don't like, and it's all about feeling what's right for me as a person and being able to express that. So um, in my experience with, with self, I had, I had very low self-esteem as a child and I, I guess that was really just the effects of being brought up um, in, at a time when you know, children are seen and not heard, um, that you always put others before yourself. And you know, I, re- you know, I really did learn a lot of value from my parents but there were a few things that slipped in there that unfortunately um, haven't served me. But I, I think too, most of the, the, the learning that we have, particularly before the age of seven, we don't have an adult mind. We have a child's mind and we tend to take on things and distort the truth mm-hmm. or, or what is being communicated to us in a way that is, is, is negative. And unfortunately, as, as Sheila mentioned, um, that can be compounded over the years through different experiences, and then it becomes it becomes a belief and a very strong belief, and that's where the challenge comes in. It is mm-hmm. truly amazing, isn't it? And there we go again with learning what you live and live what you learn. And that mm-hmm. our parents were taught by parents who were taught, and God bless them all. They did the absolute best job they could. Now some people will say, No, 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 not my parents. My parents did a terrible job. Well, again, again, forgiveness. It's it's the best they could possibly do, and some people are going to still argue that, and I really don't want to go there on this, but yes, I understand. Everybody's got their own situation. Everybody was brought up by parents, and some people weren't brought up by their parents, and there's other issues that come up during that learning curve and learning experience. And you mentioned a critical thing there, that, you know, at the age of seven. Um, psychology tells us from around the age of two plus, maybe three, is when we really start to have a conscious memory, that we have things that are regressed and subconscious because we learn how to walk, we learn how to talk, we learn how to not to touch something hot because we're said, no, no, don't do that. But it all comes down to this self-worth. It all comes down to this esteem, this level of esteem. Absolutely amazing that we as a society have, in fact, done what we've done. Meaning, meaning, and my meaning is, people say, what are you talking about? We've done what we've done. Well, we are who we are as a result of where we've come from and the parents that we had or the people, whomever they were, that raised us. Now, some people use that as a hallelujah, this is fantastic because I learned at an early age by making all these silly mistakes because of all the stuff I went through, what I wasn't going to put up with in my life, and they come out on top. They come up with a higher, they're the ones out there that are launching campaigns to help people and feed the poor and clothe and everything else. And then you've got those, unfortunately, that don't. They choose to stay with it. They choose to stay down under it and say, I'm a product of this. The perfect story that I would like to relate to, and this is actually a true story about identical twins that was done in the, in the Commonwealth of Massachusetts here in the States, Sometime, oh, I guess about 10 years ago, and having identical twin brothers who are autistic, severely autistic, myself, they're younger than myself, I know of this story. It was a story of two boys. And when they get up into their adolescence, they were raised in a home of a, of a mom that was kind of of the story of ill repute, so to speak. She kind of had gentleman friends in in the afternoon before the boys got home. Dad was out working his butt off at the job, kind of knew something was going on, as the story goes, but 
really couldn't pinpoint anything, but he'd stop at the at the bar, you know, at the Cornell bar, and he'd have himself a few before he got home. So he, he was a little bit of out of sorts when he came in the door because he was trying to put up with a lot. And then, of course, she would say, oh, the boys did this, the boys did that, punish them, and he'd go and punish them. He didn't know why he was punishing them, but he did. And unfortunately, there was a lot of physical uh, punishment. And then there was a consistency of the boys coming home every day and finding sometimes the door still closed to the mother's room and hearing noises, and we can only imagine what those were. Uh, Both of them at some point got taken from the home. They were removed. Things just got that bad because the whole situation got out of control, as you can well imagine. One went one way, one went the other, and they wound up being raised in two different homes from the age of about 11, 12, 13 years. Sometime later, if we spin the clock ahead, like, you know, seven, eight, nine, ten years, uh, one of them grew up in a little bit more of an affluent home, had a few more things going on, and wound up with a great college education, wound up being top top in his field, wound up owning a big business, big high-rise tower, marble floors, etc. This particular show, doing a study on identical twins, said, hey, um, Let's go to see if we can talk to these two identical twins. Wow, two diverse things here. The other brother wound up a bum in the back alley, living in a cardboard box, looking for handouts, had a, a shopping shopping cart full of different things that were his only possessions on the planet. Um, they couldn't get near him to even think about interviewing him, so they went to the other brother first. Penthouse suite, opened the door, come into the big double-door stateroom, and wow, look at this. Fantastic. Cameras rolling. The main question that they asked this gentleman was this. Can you please tell us how, with the miserable upbringing you had up to the age of 11, 12 years old, can you explain to us, look look at this. You know, you're successful. You get a picture there with a wife and two children over there on the, on the, on the desk, and you, you, for all intents and purposes, are a very successful man, very happy man, very balanced man. He said, look, how could I be anything but? How could I be anything but? Have the growing up in that household with a drunken father who belted us every day, a mom that was actually a prostitute for all intents, for lack of better words, how could I want to grow up like that? How could I want to bring my children up in that kind of an environment? Wow, they said, this, this is amazing. How can we get to see your brother? Well, if you can find what alley he's in and what cardboard box tonight on what steam vent, good luck because I try all I, all, all I can to try to help him, and it's just, you know, he's my identical twin. You know, I feel what he feels. I don't want to feel that. I want to help him. They said, well, well, we'll try to see if we can't get an interview. Well, they brought him some things that he wanted. They did find him after a period of time. They found him. Basically boiled down to the same question. Could you please tell us how can you attribute becoming the person that you are today, living in a cardboard box, uh, no sanitary, no food every day. You know, you don't know when you're going to eat next. And here you are. And he gave the same answer. How could you expect me to be any different? Look at the situation I grew up with, a father that came home and beat me every day, a mother that was virtually a prostitute. What the F do you think I was going to turn out like? That is an amazing thing. There are two boys who grew up with the same situation, identical twins, that both went in two different ways. Now, they could say, well, you know, maybe it's because one had a little better opportunity. True. We could say that. One had a better opportunity, one got maybe better education than the other, and the other one didn't. And that could be the reason, the sole reason. But from a psychological profile, basically, 
this was a matter of choice in some words. Do you guys agree with that, or what do you think? Sheila? I think that choice is a very powerful word, and, and if we don't realize we have choice, we don't exercise it. So something has to happen in our life. Someone has to touch us or an event has to take place for us to awaken and realize no matter where I came from, I can choose to make things different and and have some level of confidence or belief um, and that's all learned, that I can exercise this choice, that I can dream, and that I can make my dreams come true, that there's a possibility of that, and there's a willingness to choose and move in that direction. So basically we're looking at it, and Annette, you probably would bear this out, because I know you've heard this story with me before, that this the, the, one, the one brother, of course, that didn't have the affluent situation and get the college opportunity, maybe that was a choice that was presented to him that he had no choice over. What do you think? Yeah, that, that's that's possible. And, and as, as I said before, it, it is the level of self-esteem that you have that determines you know, about how you value yourself that determines the choices you make. But there's also a part about taking responsibility for your life. That's just true. What, what level of self-esteem you have. It, it's about taking responsibility. Um, that's certainly something that I've learnt over my life. Um, and I think I think we we learn it on there are different essentially different levels of responsibility or, or different levels of self esteem that have, I've experienced in my life and and I get when I get to a new level I, I I raise my standards and and I go to a whole new level of of taking responsibility for for my circumstances or where I'm at or how I behave and um, mm-hmm. yeah I, I find that that really fascinating that it's just not a one time event that suddenly we have. You know, we have we we feel worthy. It, it seems to be a, a bit of a lifelong journey, and um, yeah, it's something that's it's it's challenged me most of my life. But luckily now I'm in a place where where I feel like I have a good handle on it. But in saying that, there, there are often times where things come up that challenge my my level of self worth. So it seems to be something that that's continuously um, improving, I guess, and growing. Wow, this is fantastic. Mm-hmm. If you guys would give me a second, because I am producing this show as well, and I think we have a caller in a queue, so I'm going to bring that caller on live, and this is this is a first. Usually the producer gets to talk to the caller before bringing it on to the show, the person on the show, but here we go. So this is this is a, this is a first for me. So hi, good afternoon, authentic you. You are on the air live. Hi, Jeffrey. It's actually Tanya. <laughs> Hi, Tanya. Hey, Tanya. Another introduction Hi, from the land down under. Excellent. Glad to have you with us, Tanya. Uh, give us just a minute, Tanya. We'll intro you. Uh, okay. We are actually going to go to a commercial break in so much to Authentic You Radio, TV, mm-hmm. webinar, and presentations is actually the sponsor of our show today. And I want to thank Authentic You and all of our great team on Authentic You. Yay to everybody, all of our hosts and partners. Uh, those of you that, that are not uh, aware of the Authentic You brand, check us out. Go to Authentic You on uh, Facebook and also info at AuthenticUmedia.com if you want to get some questions answered and you'll get a hold of Michelle. Also, we wanted to uh, put out a little blurb. We are growing like crazy. We are looking for, by the way, hosts. If you walk your walk and talk your talk and you come from a place of authenticity, 
and you believe you have a message that you'd like to get out to the planet, and we do mean the planet because we are an international broadcast. We are reaching all corners of the world, such as two of our guests, Annette, Annette being from Australia, and Tonya just on the call from New Zealand, and Sheila from Arizona in the U.S. So if you have that feeling, that want and desire to host a show and you have that message, that story, or you want to interview authors, or you want to talk to us, because we could be guests on your show too, then get in touch with us, info at authenticumedia.com. Send a message, talk about why you would like to have a show, and we will get back to you, okay? We'll get back to you, and it'll be a discussion, and if things fit, then there'll be an intro, and we have five, six new hosts coming on board in the next two to three weeks, four weeks, so we'd love to have you with us. So that's our commercial break for the moment. Uh, I wanted to do that and get that going. And Tanya, thank you for being with us. Glad yes. you could get on the call. Guys, oh. this is Tanya Fines from New Zealand, originally from Canada, and she mm-hmm. is with us, and uh, she was able to get on the call. We're very, very happy. Tanya, tell the oh, audience. Happy to be here. <laughs> Great. Tell the, you know we'd like we did a little bit of an intro. We would like you to uh, tell the audience a little bit about yourself, and then we'll go on to where we were in the subject. Okay. Um, well, as you have already said, I am a Canadian living down under these days. I've been here for a year and loving it. My um, field of expertise, I guess, is health, fitness, and lifestyle. Um, what I do, though, is I, um, unlike a lot of people in my field, I bring your brain back into it because I believe it all starts with our minds and that internal dialogue we have in belief systems. So a big part of my job is actually listening and hearing what isn't being said because when people walk into my office, I'm seeing um, a result or a product of a lot of other things that have gone on in that person's life. So I typically work backwards with someone to get to a root cause and from there, we start working together on creating a healthier, better, more productive lifestyle that they are wanting to achieve and something that they can sustain for a lifetime. So um, what I do see a lot of is people with um, low, you know, low self-esteem or a very low sense of self-worth. And, and when you're coming from a place like that, it's very, very hard to reach your goals because you may have these wonderful goals, but if you don't believe you're worth it, it can be very difficult to get there. So that's where I come in and provide the support, the education, um, and the help to get you there. Excellent. Excellent, Tanya. You know, it brings me to a, to uh, a, remembering a, we, uh, we, on the 21 Days of Change of Mind program, we spoke to a client, and we're talking about specifically about, you know, the good old New Year's resolution and how, you know, about 85, 90% of the people uh, internationally don't don't stick with them. And, you know, it's kind of funny, Jeff, you know, gee whiz, you know, January is about, well, you know, well, four or five months ago now, what are you talking about New Year's resolutions for? Simply put this, when you go to a New Year's resolution, you are deciding in your conscious mind that you're going to quit smoking, stop overeating, et cetera, et cetera. We won't get into the other things that, that people might want to quit. But honestly, that's why. That's why, because we're not getting into where it is that you have the habit, and that's the altered state of the subconscious. Mm-hmm. Brings me to a point where, to culminate a lot of what we've been talking about, um, modern psychology these days, is, as you mentioned, Sheila, is working on this quite a bit to really get to understanding the brain, because we understand very little of it. 
this is one of those situations where we really don't know what we don't know. And modern science is just in the same state. Every day there's breakthroughs. They're coming up with more and more understanding. One of the, one of the the classes I took had to do with cognitive dissonance. And I said, well, cognitive, I understand that. Dissonance, no, I don't understand that. Basically, cognitive dissonance is really a term that's used in modern psychology to describe the feeling of discomfort when holding two or more conflicting ideas, beliefs, or values. So if you think about that, each one of us, the three the three, three ladies, have spoken about it from your practice, your clients, etc., how we get to that place where we, as people, or our clients, are holding two or more conflicting ideas. Tony, you just said it. The client comes in the door. I want to lose weight. I want to be fit. I want to be healthy. But there's a conflicting idea going on there. There's a conflicting belief. And and or the BS, as we talked about last week, which we know now is belief system, not, you know, BS. And it is amazing that that's exactly what it is. Again, here we go. So they put a fancy term on it now, cognitive, meaning recognition, dissonance. All right, And it also suggests that we have this inner drive, which we call subconscious, which we're well aware of in our fields, that holds on to all of our beliefs and attitudes to avoid feelings of discomfort and instability. Well, there we go again. There's that what we learn is what we learn when we learned it, when we were young. These things came to us because they became habit. They are beliefs and attitudes, the beliefs, the BS again. And it was to avoid certain feelings of discomfort and instability in our lives. It was also built into our DNA, believe it or not, as humankind. The part of it that was built that was built in as humankind was, in fact, way, way, way back now, they figured out that in the earliest brain of man that there was so much going on that it was called a protection mode, that the human had to protect, you know, from invaders, wild animals, et cetera, whatever it was. And this was a system that was set in to protect the body. But as we get into developed mankind with this, this advanced brain that we have, we've gotten into the situation where that really doesn't totally serve us very well because we're hanging on to these things. So, and it's funny, the, the belief system uh, being a protection measure, and the brain is also pre-programmed to interpret this. And sometimes people hold on to the belief system, and that it, it becomes very strong. And the moment they are presented with evidence that's working against the belief, the new evidence that they were trying to go to, unfortunately can't be accepted. And Sheila, you touched on that, because it's the belief system again. You know, we want to change our minds. We want to not overeat. We want to not have that bad habit. We want to not have this debilitating belief or this, this thing that plagues us. And some people, extremely successful, still have them, which is why I guess they say 85%. But isn't this exactly what we were talking about earlier? You know, Jeffrey, as long as we continue to focus on what we don't want, we'll create more of that. There you go. So part of... <laughs> So part of, of the experience, like Annette was talking about, um, and Tanya, about educating our clients and people we have the opportunity to work with and support and, uh, and facilitate in this area of growth, is to help them turn that around. Um, one of the things that I like about Faster EFT is it's designed um, in its protocol and its approach to um, address how do I know? How do I know this is a problem? And looking for the proof or the evidence, as you were referring to, Jeffrey, of um, 
in this case, my self-worth. How do I know I have low self-worth? Well, these are the experiences. When we start to look individually at what someone says or identifies as the evidence or proof of that particular problem or um, a measurement of of low self-worth, we start to identify those past events and experiences and thoughts and beliefs that are continuing to come out of the unconscious mind and create our reality and create our experiences. And that way we can focus on what we do want by eliminating these things that we don't want. Absolutely. Does that make sense? Absolutely true. You know, yeah. because the, the, you know, the, the, the sad part is the pain becomes easier than the change that is necessary to overcome the debilitating belief. But what you're saying is very true. When, when we advance to modern technique, I know that Annette does it with emotion code. She gets right in there. We do it. We do it with the hypnotherapy. You do it with EFT. And, Tanya, you're doing it in your way, which is really unique as well, mm-hmm. because you said you go back with them. You go back and you say, okay, now let's talk about the why. You know, yes. only only long enough to come to a conscious understanding from the unconscious to get to that point of, okay, why are you using food as comfort? What's going on? Right. This is right. what you have the coaching hat on, right? Yeah, and without without them, I mean, I could sit there and point it out for them, which is no help at all, but Correct. in yeah. helping them have the awareness themselves, then we can start working on changing the behavior introducing um, healthier patterns. I like to call it crowding out. We bring in so much more of the good, positive, supportive behaviors and choices and um, lifestyle techniques that there isn't any more room for the ones that were defeating or defeatist or that didn't support it. So, um, But, yeah, that that sense of self is huge. And sometimes what I tend to see is that um, in having these very um, lofty goals or these desires and wants, um, it's almost as if a client will sometimes set themselves up with a, a goal that might be just a little bit too much because somewhere in their subconscious they know well, that it's not a first step, it's like step five, so I'm not going to reach it, and that enforces that sense of low self-worth. Hmm. In other words, we fear the change again, okay? And our mind yeah, is protecting us from that yeah. fear of the unknown because it becomes a factor of the unknown. You know there's something in there, but you don't know it. You really yeah. don't. Where did it come from? Because you probably don't remember it because it's regressed memory. And mm-hmm. this, is, this is the amazing thing about modern techniques that are coming up now that, you know, the old ways are trying to kick still and saying, you know, you guys with EFT and and emotion code and strategic intervention, what do you really know about this, you know? Our, our goal, you know, the, the, the typical goal was to always say, you know what, come on in, we'll book you, for, and no offense, no offense to those in the tra- in the practice. God bless you all. You've done a wonderful job, but, I'm sorry to use the word but as well. However, there is a situation going on now where we are learning and understanding more advanced ways of helping people overcome these issues. And they do not take days upon days laying on the couch with somebody with their glasses down at the tip of their nose, pardon the metaphor, you know, mm-hmm. just saying, okay, there's an hour up, we'll see you next week for an hour. I guess mm-hmm. in some situations there are people who really need that, and and that is great. But in most instances where it becomes a situation of a BS belief system, typically on the negative side, of course, <clears throat> excuse me, I think 
from everything we're talking about today, from those that we have seen the proof with in our clients, that these newer modern techniques are far superior to the old ways. Annette, you, yes. on, on your, in the emotion code, what I have found mm-hmm. intriguing and amazing, similar to what, Sheila, you do with EFT, because I've seen EFT and I practice it as well. Emotion code is great because some of those things, even when you are working with a client alone, when I am not there with the hypnotherapy, so to speak, on our 21 Days Change Your Mind program, you have found these things for your client. Is that not right? Yes, and and, um, and and literally they can fall off the client too. I've, I've had experiences where you we, we're we're working on some emotional issues, and and the result the side one of the side results might be weight loss, um, and and when I haven't even been working on it directly, so it just shows how how these these emotions are, are and this energy is all related to to how how we are in our body. Um, I've, I've got a I've got a nice quote that I picked up from Dr. Wayne Dyer. Um, he says, self-worth comes from one thing, thinking that you are worthy. Mm. And, 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 one of the, and so, you know, I mean, to me, self-love is, is self-worth. I think this is one of the core issues. And, and also uh, one thing that we, we did learn from Anthony Robbins that, that is very powerful is that the two greatest fears that, that all humans have, to one degree or another, is that we are not loved or that we're not good enough. So often these issues come down to one or two of these things and they're the things that hold us back. And they encourage those voices in our head or that voice in our head that says, you, you shouldn't do that, you mustn't do that, you're not good enough, you're not beautiful enough, you mm-hmm. can't do that. I mean, we, I, we all experience that, that negative self-talk and it's not about making that wrong, it's about hearing that but also saying, you know what, cancel that you know what, I am great and I can do that and I can do what I want. And the thing is that it takes time to change that thinking. And and no matter, I mean, I've, I've been practicing it for years, but I still get that little voice in my head that, you know, I might trip up or something happens and I, and I go to call myself a name and I think, hang on, hang on a sec. No, that's not true. I cancel that and I say the opposite of that immediately. So that has become a habit response for me to change that negative self-talk and and another thing I find really effective in doing in doing that is being the observer when when things mm-hmm. come up like that um, I like to to listen to the f- feelings that I'm that I'm experiencing um, it, it allows you to, to open your heart and I've been lucky enough through the, the healing work that I do it allows me a greater connection with other people from a deeper space because I don't have a lot of those negative um, thoughts and patterns and energy that's been built up to stop me from connecting to other people and and being being positive in in my day to day life. No matter what is going on around, there is a way to overcome that by by changing your thoughts. You bring up very very good points in that, and I can relate to it. I just was just kind of going through memory lane a little bit, thinking about my days before my training was in strategic intervention, uh, a short three plus years ago, uh, about my low self esteem issues, which, by the way, uh, I didn't think I had. Okay, I didn't because because I was not aware of it. I was I was immune to me, 
Um, and I don't want to go with the expression of, you know, I was all right and the world was all wrong, because that certainly wasn't true, because I didn't feel that I had the self-worth in a lot of areas, although being very successful in business, etc. That said, however, it is amazing that, we're, as you mentioned earlier, again, working with clients, you hear something come up from them, talking to them, going over their story and listening with the two ears and speaking with the one mouth. But in listening, you come up with things and you hear things that, in fact, oh, that strikes a chord with me. I can relate to that because I've been there and done that, but in a different way, which is really amazing. And you and you, you related to that earlier, which is really wonderful, because it also gives you a better understanding and gives you more more compassion for what they're saying and what they're feeling. And you can instantly go to with that listening, with that that they feel. And then you're picking it up on the emotion, emotional level. That's absolutely amazing. Yes, yes, it's it's very powerful. Wow, it's great, I, Jeffrey. Yeah. I think that's an excellent point because I think as practitioners, uh, Sonia, Annette, and yourself, and and myself, to be able to create that that level of confidence, trust, and safety with with the uh, clients that we work with. Um, we are we are built helping to build their self worth and self esteem when they know that we've been there when they know that and feel in their heart of hearts that that we we understand them we see them we hear them and so when we reflect back our experience of their greatness and their high esteem they begin to honor and own that and allow those those negative beliefs and and the, the proof of the opposite of that matter. To, uh, to heal and to be released and to let go of recognizing that it, it no longer is their truth, it no longer serves them. That's one of the things that, yeah. Yeah, that I recognize. You know, thoughts and feelings aren't facts. And as long as I remember that and, and uh, like Annette was saying, observe them and not take them personally, I can actually sit with a witnessing or observing attitude uh, with curiosity through mindfulness practice and and just notice um, without judgment, um, but with gentleness and compassion for myself, and not take th- not take them personally. And it's, it's just amazing to me how they change. The thoughts disappear, the cravings or triggers dissipate, uh, the mood and and the anger uh, suddenly doesn't find a place in, in my being anymore. Um, it's it's a very another very powerful exercise that I like to engage in. Wow, it, it, that's fantastic because it's so true. Uh, guys, I'm going to put you on, just just in a, let's put ourselves in a hold pat for a second. I believe we have a caller in the queue, and I want to answer this and just to see if we've got somebody that's been hanging on here waiting to ask a question. Good afternoon. You are on Authentic You. Do you have a question for us? Yes. Hi, how are you? I'm good. Great. What's uh, your name? Name, please. Odell. Nice to meet you. Go ahead. Um. What I was thinking about is a lot of times on the low self-esteem issues, everybody always talks about what someone's through. Well, on the flip side, we could look at uh, a different way, something that you haven't gotten to yet. Say, for instance, someone's been the person who's always worked for a living and is switching to the corporate world. Uh, the worker could think, wow, the corporate person, they know so much and they're so far above me, and yet all it is is they simply have learned different things. That would be very very true. Who who would like to take that? 
ladies? <laughs> yes. I think that. Yeah. Oh, go, go ahead. Okay, I, I, that is correct. Yes, it's, it's it's all about perception, isn't it? And how we value ourselves. Um, it, it's it's a perception, and it comes down to our life experience and how we value ourselves and where we are in the world. And often we we tend to compare ourselves to other people to to look at our own self worth. But through through releasing these blockages that we have and these perceptions that are low about ourselves, we, we become more authentic and open and loving and we see everybody as equal because that's how we all truly are. And I guess all this is is about getting back to our, our true selves. Would you, would you agree with that, Tonya? Absolutely, absolutely. Perception is huge. Um, and I guess, I don't know, I, I think you can sometimes get into a conversation or a debate as to, you know, similar to what came first, the chicken or the egg, the low self-esteem, and that feeds the perception or the perception feeds low self-esteem. But they definitely go hand in hand. And in just creating that awareness and an acceptance of who we are and a strong sense of self, you definitely open up more and more to living from that authenticity that exists within all of us. Um, from a place of love and truth and, um, you know, honoring yourself. And um, all of a sudden, the perception changes because the meanings that we give a situation or the meanings that we give a conversation or an experience start to change and take on a more positive, um, a more positive light instead of being something, this happened to me, this happened. And this is how I grew from it. This is what I learned from it. This is how I'm stepping or moving forward from that experience. Great points, great points. Sheila? I just wanted to say that the lack of experience or or ignorance about something um, is, is not a crime and is not proof of low self-esteem. It, it simply is just about life. Everybody hasn't done everything. And to be able to understand that and accept that and, and walk into a new experience with with a certain level of personal confidence based upon our level of self-esteem and worth, knowing that the truth of the matter is, I've never done this before, so I'm probably going to screw up and ask a lot of questions, and that should be expected of 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 the arrangement and it's okay it doesn't mean I'm less than um, and and so when we talk about perception and meaning I think it's it's putting a more accurate spin on it to be able to realize that you know I've never done this before it's okay and um, so if fear is keeping us from moving into new experiences then we you know as practitioners we certainly want to be there to help uh, you know address the fear Great and point. so, but I, I think the clarity here was not to associate um, a lack of experience with low self-worth or low self-esteem. That would be very um, And on the opposite side, you know, some people can be very arrogant um, and have an inflated self-worth. <clears throat> I don't think I'd be interested in hearing what Annette and Tanya might, and you, Jeff, might have to share about that. It's kind of the opposite side of the same coin. Um, with you know making it, that yeah. subjective it, value, it happens, and it's and it, believe it or not, it's still it's it's like the bully syndrome. Everybody thinks the bullies get all their stuff together because they're the bully, but in fact, they probably have a lower value of themselves than the poor kids that are yeah. getting bullied that are the quiet, meek, and humble and mild. But going back to the question in specific, when you you know we have a lot of this going on in the world today because of the transition of employment. 
and we've got mm-hmm. people coming from one workforce to another, and you may go get the education, but you're going to jump into it now, both feet, and get wet, and you're going, oh, gosh, this is the unknown to me, because you're coming into a field where people are experienced and you are not. It doesn't matter your age. You know, in fact, the older workforce is having more of a difficulty with it. And uh, anyway, thank you very much for the call. We appreciate the great question. Thanks for calling in. Okay, we have about eight minutes left, ladies. This has been an amazing almost an hour. This is absolutely fantastic. We, in wrapping up a little bit here, in the last few minutes I've got to do a little bit of production work (laughs) to close the show. I wanted to get into a little bit about what's coming on with this uh, this, this cognitive dissonance again. Um, th- this word cognition, because it meaning to understand, to recollect, etc., on uh, how we have so many cognitions about the world. It kind of kind of culminates what we've been talking about. We have many cognitions about the world and ourselves. When they clash, a discrepancy is created within our mind. It's resulting in a state of total tension. And boy, isn't it tension. Talking headaches, migraines, people worrying, getting sick to their stomach. Again, it's completely our BS. And it is BS because it's only our belief system that, as Sheila said, that fear factor, the unknown. And the experience of cognitive dissonance can be quite unpleasant. (laughs) Therefore, we are forced to reduce or eliminate it. What do we do? Or we can choose to let go of the belief system, which is what we've all been talking about. What do you do? And if the audience wants to think about this, what do you do with that belief system? If you're aware of it, that's wonderful. But what are you going to do with it if it's not serving you and it's not filling the bill? Okay, because you're holding on to it. If you don't and you let it go, you're going to open up yourselves to exponential new possibilities, which is where we're really getting with this whole subject. Reach out. Contact a qualified, qualified coach. Work with somebody on this and get yourself some guidance, some understanding of what is going on. You may, believe it or not, and I know this to be true because it's happened to myself, it's happened to each one of us on this show today, each one of us coaches. I know it for a fact because the four of us have talked about it. We've been there and done it. Okay, there were things in our lives we just didn't understand until we understood them because we had to learn what did happen and why. And then you go, oh, that's the reason I've been doing this. That's the reason I didn't take that next step. That's the reason I was frozen in my tracks when it came to a certain thing in my life. So we today have emerged into techniques, which we've talked about today, that in years past would have been considered voodoo or witchcraft. And I had a witch in my family many generations removed, so I guess maybe that's why I'm here today. However, these techniques are as old that we're practicing today, believe it or not. These techniques are as old as the hills. They're as old as we are humans. We as a modern society have discounted them over the years because of modern techniques, quote-unquote modern techniques. They call what we do modern techniques, those that are practicing, excuse me, the antique techniques. But then again, if you think about it, these techniques we talk about actually work. They work faster. They will get you to a point of, aha, I understand, and healing and letting go of that negative debilitating belief. As a matter of fact, these techniques we work with and what we do are working so well that many of today's pharmaceutical companies are continually attempting to hide this reality. That is the subject for another show, I must say. 
it is going to be a good one. We will schedule it, and we're not going to specifically talk about pharmaceutical companies, but we're going to talk about the modern techniques that we're called to have, which are really the old techniques, and then what filtered in the middle. Ladies, Annette, Sheila, and Tanya, I have to tell you, we've got about four minutes left. This has been absolutely fantastic. I want to thank you, all four of you, for coming on board in this call. Carousel Partners International, guys, we are a group of noted authority coaches. We care. We lead in contribution beyond ourselves. And we've got about probably 30 seconds for each one of you to just do a little, hi, how are you, and this is who I am, and how to get a hold of me. Annette. Um, yeah, the best way to get a hold of me is Annette at attractingabundanceonline.com. So that's Annette at attractingabundanceonline.com. Uh, send me an email if you have any questions, um, if you'd like to know more information. And Sheila? Yep, over you. I'm sorry, Matt, <laughs> did I cut you off there? No, no you're right. Sheila. Okay. Um, best way to reach me is at my Gmail email, and that is SheilaWilsonCoach at gmail.com, and Sheila is spelled S-H-E-I-L-A-H. Wilson's the easy part part and uh, coach Sheila Wilson coach at gmail or you can find me on Facebook and Tonya yeah great um, I guess the easiest is on my website www.tanyafines.co.nd and all of my contact information is there the website the Facebook even my mobile my email so I'm really easy to uh, to reach so please um, yeah Excellent. go ahead <laughs> Excellent. And I am your show host, Jeffrey Miller, also known as The Interventionist. And I do partner also with Annette in a program called 21 Days to Change Your Mind. Uh, Facebook, you'll find us, 21 Days to Change Your Mind. Also coming up now, a new website, 21daystochangeyourmind.com. We're about to launch that. Myself personally, you can find me on Facebook under Jeffrey Miller up in the great state of Maine. And also just type in The Interventionist. And I want to thank everybody for being on the show. Ladies, it's been fantastic again. Thank you again. I am in gratitude for sharing this hour with you because we certainly talk about the information. And we hope, audience, that you have, our listeners, that you've really picked up some tidbits. And any questions, please do not hesitate. Get in touch with one of these ladies or myself or any coach that is a noted authority. Make sure they've got this stuff, that they walk their walk and they talk their talk. Uh, we we uh, just we're all about that, okay. And thanks again, and we appreciate you being with us. And this is again Jeff Miller for Authentic You Radio TV webinar programs to be announced soon and live events coming to a city near you. Ladies, thank you very much. Have a beautiful thank rest you, of your Jeff. day. Thank you. Thank all. you, Jeff, thanks so much. much. All right, bye bye. Bye bye. Bye bye.